Well, we are headed. How many of you are relieved it is March? I'm like, I feel like I took a big, deep breath, sigh of relief when March arrived. It's like, okay. And then Caleb had the audacity to say to me the other day, I think it's going to snow next week. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's March. No. Um, But we are in one of my favorite times of the year, and that is the Lent season. And the Lent season are these days leading up to Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday. And I love Lent because Lent is a season of heart preparation for that. As Pentecostals, we love Resurrection Day, right? Hey, I'm dancing right out of that grave. And I, you all know I like a nice party at the gravesite with no sign of Jesus there. Uh, however, however, I also love Good Friday. I also love taking somber moments to focus on the sacrifice of Jesus. Because if it were not for him, that would be me up there. And so Lent is this season of, of really just contemplation on leading up to the, the death and resurrection of Christ. And so this morning, here's this call, this question I've been hearing from Jesus. And that is that of being a Christ follower. You know, Gary, I think we have just like been flowing in the Holy Spirit together the last couple of weeks. The word that you shared from the Lord today, I was like, oh yeah, have you been reading my awesome jacket up here? I'm going to get a little cheesy in a little bit. Um, But the word that the Lord shared today, I was just like, yes, Jesus is calling for us to come out and to be separate for his purposes. And so today, we are going to behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. We are going to say, yes, I want to be a Christ follower. We're going to examine our hearts and say, who am I following? I say I'm a Christ follower, but am I really, when it comes down to it, a Christ follower? And what does that mean? And so in John chapter 12, it says, this is Jesus. Now here, here, this is not my call. This is not my idea. I I was talking with Nick as I was setting up today, and he was like, oh, are we going to have a fluff sermon? I'm like, I don't think I've ever in my life preached a fluff sermon. (laughs) Here's the deal. When I look at the life of Jesus, I don't see any fluff. And so I can get a little intense, but this isn't my call. This is the call that Jesus makes. I'm just, like, reiterating it. So if you have anything at odd with it, you can take it up with the one who gave the call, right, Jesus. And so in John chapter 12, Jesus says, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Okay, it's not enough to just, yeah, I'm going to serve Jesus. Yeah. You got to follow him if you're going to serve him. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And so Jesus, in these few moments we have around the word, we open up our minds, we open up our hearts, we open up our spirits 
to hear what the Savior is calling to us. And I ask that there would be nothing that we would withhold from the truth of your word today. But we would be completely opened to the Savior, to the Master, and to whatever it is that you would speak to us today. We are your servants, and we, our heart's desire is to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Earlier in John, in John chapter 1, we have John the Baptist. I feel like Darren would like to be friends with John the Baptist. Let's go hang out in the wilderness and, you know, wear some furs. And you don't know how hard I work to, like, get him looking like this on Sundays. To, like, no, you can't wear flannel. No, you can't wear camping pants. They all like it. Mm-hmm. But do I is the question. <laughs> That's right. John the Baptist was a crazy man. He was a wild man. And he had followers. He had disciples that followed him, that came out into the wilderness that he taught, that called him rabbi, teacher. And so there came a day when Rabbi John the Baptist is standing. And he looks out. And he's standing, he's got some of his disciples with him, because this is the way it is with rabbis. They've always got disciples with him, with them. And so in John 1, he says, John the Baptist is standing with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Can you what a moment I bet for John. He's been preaching and living in the wilderness, and here comes Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples hear him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated as teacher, Where are you staying? And Jesus said, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. So there comes the moment when John the Baptist, the rabbi, is standing with his disciples and Jesus comes on the scene and a new rabbi is in town. And as much as these disciples, I'm sure, loved John the Baptist, here, there came a greater love. There came a greater rabbi. And without so much here as a see you later, John, they hear Jesus and off they go. There's no like, oh, let's have a morning party together. Let's have a goodbye party. They, they, they see Jesus and they leave with Jesus and they remain with Jesus. They beheld the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And in that moment of beholding him, they found somebody new to follow. And here's the truth of the matter. We all will follow someone. Even if you are a leader, you are following someone. Everyone follows someone, 
The disciples were following John until Jesus came and turned their lives upside down. You can follow people. You can follow social media, right? You can follow your own desires, your own flesh, and what it wants. You can follow what the majority of the world is going to do, the general population. You can follow the fastest road to success in your life. You will follow someone. You will follow something. You maybe haven't recognized what it is you're following. I guarantee you, you're following someone. And so there comes a moment for each of us, though, when Jesus will arrive on your scene. We all will, be, we all will have that moment of confrontation. Here comes Rabbi Jesus, the Lamb of God. And in the moment, there's a decision that has to be made. And so the call today is for you to follow him. And it's so simple, yet it, it costs you everything, right? It's so simple. Jesus just walks by a disciple. Hey, come follow me. That's it. And off they go to follow Jesus. I'm like, man, how awesome would that be, you know, in your workplace? Hey, come follow me with Jesus. Let's you and I go follow Jesus together. I feel like they would with Linda Herb. I feel like, Linda, you could be like, come follow me with Jesus, and they would just come along with you. <laughs> it's, those, it's that way with Bob, too. Bob's like, come on, let's follow. It's those that have the gift of evangelism. You know, you guys can just kind of, hey, let's go follow Jesus. You make it so easy looking. <laughs> you all need to pray for all of us. If any of you want that, you just go and have one of them pray over you today before you leave, right? all Jesus did. Come follow me. He didn't reason with them. He didn't try to figure out their theology, get their theology right, their thinking right. Oh, but Jesus, he just said, come follow me. And follow him, they did. They left behind stuff, right? What did, what did the fishermen do? They left behind their nets. They didn't try to, okay, let me get my nets all packed up first, Jesus, and then I'll follow you. They Right? Just follow me. It's simple. It has to be simple because what you're about to see up on the screens is going to show you how simple we are. And here's the truth that Jesus is called the good shepherd. He calls us his sheep. And as he calls, I don't know, is this a good thing or bad? You're going to see here as they pull up this video. This is you, this is me. Let's play that one more time. Now think of yourself. Let's, let's, as, you, as you watch that sheep, that's what Jesus calls us, his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. I would like to say that we, we were not like this, but there we are. Let's 
listen, you're going to follow something or somebody. This is what Jesus called us. And there's a reason. I, I, do you know how many times pull people out? Oh, come on, come on, pull out. I, I think about, especially we had a season in Galesburg when we had some people struggling to overcome drug addiction and the calls at night that Darren would get to go hunt down a husband that was off doing drugs in, in places that, that Darren had to go chase him down, pull him out. They would they'd get back in church, and then you'd have to go and pull them out again. And then we, we run back to that thing. Why? Because we're still following that thing, right? When that sheep got yanked out of the crevice, what needed to happen is in that little loop right there, there needed a God encounter so that before they could continue on back to their their trapment, they have the encounter with the good shepherd who will now give you a new way to follow, right? And so we got to say, hey, I'm tired of going back and following into my entrapments. I got to quit following the things that are leading me back into it. We feel like we should be smarter than this, but we, an entrapment and a bondage is that. And there's only one that can break that, who is Jesus Christ. And, and so he is the as he, I love it, as he follows, he's not having like a big deliverance session. Nope, just follow me. As you follow me, we're going to break off all of that stuff and keep you from going back to that which you once walked in. And so what is it you're following? Who is it you're following? The sheep cannot keep following that crevice that it kept getting entrapped in and follow Jesus. You can't follow more than one thing at a time. And so heeds the call of Jesus to follow him. That means I can't keep following what I've been following. I have to make a decision. Jesus or this thing. And, and here's what Jesus says. Here's, the, here's how powerful his call to follow him is. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62. This is his call, not mine. I'm just one that has answered the call to follow him, okay? That's all. I've answered the call, said yes, Jesus. And the the joy of it is so great, I want you to answer the call. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Oh, it feels so good. Saying that like in church on Sunday morning when it's like a little bit of heaven in here is like me at 9 o'clock at night scrolling Pinterest and pinning like the top 10 ways to organize my house. And I feel so good right then. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm an organizer. <laughs> I can sit on my couch here and I'm organizing my house away until I wake up the next morning to carry that out. And guess what? Ah, I think I'll do that tomorrow. Okay, that's what saying this can be like, right? It's easy to say it right here <laughs> with all of us that are following as well. So, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, 
but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Oh, yeah, who's still on board now? Yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. It's a call to follow. And he means it. It's not a call to follow him on Sunday morning when we're used to coming to church and it's part of our routine and it's easy. It's a call to follow. And there comes a point in the following where he always begins to test the truth of the statement you make to him. Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I will follow you. Then there comes the moment and he's like, will you follow me? Will you follow me right now? Think of all the times, some of you that have been followers of Christ for long periods of time, think of all the times that you have had to, in the, the dark places, in the confusing places, in the places where it feels like you can't find God and you can't find answers, and you have to, in that moment, answer the call, I am still following you, Jesus. I am still following you, Jesus. And it comes in places... Uh, think of what he is addressing here. He's addressing family issues and friends here. This is intense stuff. We had to deal with that. Even as our children grew older and started, man, this is not what I raised you for, right? Well, I didn't. They didn't seem to agree with me, you know, in some things. But in the, as I got older and they start making their own decisions... And as parents, we get all emotional and, oh, no. In the moment when confronted with that, I have to answer the call once again. Jesus, it doesn't matter what my kids do. I am answering the call to follow you. They can answer any call they want to answer, but I am still answering the call to follow you. Right? When your health goes bad and you are bedridden, in the moment when Jesus appears and says, will you follow me? Will you follow? When he was sick, we addressed that. He's like, oh, what if I die? All these little kids, what if I die? What are you guys going to do? And what did I say? I said, we're going to be okay. Why? Because I'm taking the kids and we're following Jesus, right? We're really glad he didn't die. But in those moments when there's life and death at stake is the moments that Jesus comes and says to you, will you follow me? And it's in those hard moments that you have to say, I will follow you. You walked through that. Your husband did die. You guys had an awesome dad right? And you have an awesome mom because in the moment she said, I'm taking my kids and we're following Jesus. 
We're following Jesus. We're following Jesus. The call's not an easy call. It's not an easy call. When you're struggling to overcome addiction and it's and every morning you got to get back up again and you got to say, Lord, your mercies are new every morning for me today. Even as I battle addiction, I say yes to the call today. You have given me mercy. I failed yesterday. I gave in yesterday. But your mercy is new for me today. And so because of your mercy, I'm able to say, yes, I'm going to follow you today, Jesus. It's in the hard places that he asks the question, will you follow me? Many will be, you know, this chapter in Luke 9, where he addresses these issues, prior to this passage, there were all kinds of miracles taking place. Healings had taken place. I, I mean, the, the signs and wonders. People will be attracted to Jesus, right? Signs and wonders will attract people. And then once... <laughs> He, he attracts them, and then he, okay, now, here's the call. Will you follow me? When, when you don't have the sign and the wonder, will you follow me? When the path is difficult, will you follow me? The rich young man faced this. The rich young man came to Jesus. Teacher, tell me what I need to do to enter into heaven. This is the thing about Jesus. He knows the things we're following. And he knew this young man, his, the thing his heart followed was money. And so the call for him was, I want you to sell everything that you own and give it away. Then you come and follow me. He sometimes did not just say, come follow me, right? Sometimes he said, go sell everything, give it away, then come follow me. And so what happened? The rich young ruler, as much as he wanted to enter into eternal life, he made the choice. I know I cannot follow Jesus and I cannot follow money at the same time. I choose the money and he walked away. That's a sad moment. He walked away. He made a choice. And the truth is, it was a courageous choice. He, he wasn't hypocritical. I'm going to try to do both. He made his decision, and he followed that which was his desire. And so the call to follow Jesus is not an easy call. It requires everything, and he will not share his path with somebody else. He's not going to say, all right, come with me for a little while. Then you can take a break and kind of go do your thing. That's not how it works. He's like, if you're going to follow me, all of that gets left behind. I am now it. I am now the one that you follow. I'm not sharing the path of this journey with anybody else. There's one path. He is a jealous God. So it's an all-in call, the call to follow Jesus. And here's the thing. That as a rabbi with students around him, and the students, you know, it was intense discipleship. They lived together. They were always together. They knew one another. They, were in, they did life with one another. That's what it is to make a disciple. The, the, 
the point is for them to learn Jesus' ways and teachings and to become like him. And so for us to say, yes, Jesus, I want to be a Christ follower, that means we have to become like him. We have to do it his way, and we have to begin to look like him. And here's the deal. To become like Jesus, first of all, I'm not... You just got to read your Bible if you want to know how to become like Jesus. There's just too much in there for me to give you a checklist how to become like Jesus. So you got to get your New Testament out, and you got to find out how Jesus lived. You got to get in your prayer closet with Jesus so that you know when, oh, you're unkind to that person, he can say, um, I hate unkindness. I do. I don't understand it is a Christ follower. Jesus was kind. I mean, he got ruthless a few times, but even that was out of a desire for righteousness. Become like Christ. So get to get in your Bible to find out. One thing I want to point out, though, becoming like Christ is to become missional. This is Mission Sunday, and we support wonderful missionaries But to be a follower of Christ means my life now looks like his life, and his life was missional. He lived on mission. Okay? Now, there's this wonderful, yes, go do things for Jesus. Go lay hands, see mighty things happen. It's just all wonderful. All of this begins, though, with when you wake up tomorrow and decide how to live missionally today in my world. And so what I want you to hear from me today is that we have these, we just talked about missionaries that are taking twins to an unreached people group. Ah, Blows my mind. That's probably not going to be a lot of you here. I say a lot because I leave room for any of you that might like to. We would love to get you on the mission field, right, Dennis and Linda? (laughs) However, most likely that's not everybody in this room. So what does it mean for us here living in Lincoln, Illinois, to live missionally? It means that everything that you do is driven by the mission of Christ. I love that the last verse here Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I love that Jesus uses an implement that is a tool. It's not just come follow me. He's saying, you got to put your hand, if you're going to follow me, there is work to be done. You have to take up a plow and begin to do some work in the kingdom. This is part of the call. This is, it's a missional thing. There's a job to be done. We all are part of it, right? Because Jesus is the head. We are the body of the head. The head is, has a mission even today. He died and he rose again and he ascended to heaven and he is living up there ever interceding for us. 
Why? So that souls can come into the kingdom. If this is what the head is doing, the brain center, then the body should be doing what the brain, the Jesus brain, is telling the body to do. And it is missional. We have a mission. Okay? I'm going to make it real simple. I love this topic more than any other, maybe. I don't know. I say that a lot. I love the idea of missional living. I Like, my heart starts to get excited. This is where I'm getting cheesy. <laughs> you know, I gave my heart to Christ when I was in junior, well, probably fifth grade, end of fifth grade. And... Continued in the Catholic school until 8th grade. When I gave my heart to Christ, I was all in. And I have not, I I really, I have not walked away from Christ since that moment. That's a lot of years ago. And so I, even back in that moment, you know, when you're in junior high and when you're in grade school, you know, what's important to them might seem not so important to us, but it's very important to them. And in that moment, even, as a young person, I lost friends over my decision. Friends that I had been since kindergarten, some preschool, I had been friends with. I lost my best friend when I made the decision to be a follower of Christ. There's a cost to the call, right? But I was all in because as much as I love my best friend, I found a greater love in, in Jesus. wasn't long after that in junior high that I felt the call to ministry. have not walked from that call ever. There have been times that I've been like, I don't know, what am I doing? What did I say yes to? <laughs> but I keep saying yes. So I love, there's that call to to live missionally for Christ. It trickles down, though, to whatever it is you're doing. So up here, this might seem silly to some of you, but this is part of my love of missional living. Almost everything, I was trying to think back over the loves and my hobbies and the things in my life, and almost all of them, like these knitting needles, I, I was trying to think. I've been knitting for so many years, I lost track of time. And I tried to think if I had ever completed a project that I had started for myself. And I, I, don't, I don't think I ever have, except maybe like a dishcloth that had a purpose. <laughs> All of my knitting have been for other people. And in fact, the Lord just had spoken to me Thursday night in Petersburg. Um, The lodge that we are renting from, uh, we've been ministering to one one of the staff members. Her sister has cancer. And so we've had her down with us. We've laid hands on her. And and so we had checked in with her Thursday. And and so she starts chemotherapy this month. And, And I just felt the Lord drop in my heart, you need to knit her a prayer shawl. And so my crafts, even typically, I don't take great pleasure unless I have a purpose to give out to it. I'm not saying it's bad if you're knitting for yourself. I'm just saying that 
it, it, for me, it's just this drive thing that is what gives me that purpose. This, anybody know what this might be? Some, it's not, yes, I heard it. It's, this is dandelion jelly. <laughs> um, my garden, I grow that for us, I do, and I grow it for myself because I, it's a de-stressor. But uh, this week, I, no, in the next month, actually, I have a big batch of frozen huckleberries that I grew. And I'm about to make huckleberry jam with them. And I've got two people um, that are not real Christ followers but are walking through hardship that I'm about to put a basket together for to let them know I'm praying for them. Um, I am so tired all the time that the idea of making huckleberry jelly is just like, what? However, there's this thing in me that says, I need to get huckleberry jelly to these people that are not Christ followers. There, there's just something, for me, it has to be, I have to have this drive behind most of what I do. All these things become missional for me. This is my favorite t-shirt. Nick asked if it was an old high school shirt. That would be the rad ain't bad t-shirt. Being radical for Jesus. That's what we wore back in the day. No, no. This is my favorite coffee t-shirt. This shirt is from Eurasia Cafe in Springfield, Illinois. I mean, Missouri. It is my favorite coffee shop. It gives me my reason for drinking coffee. If I, didn't, if I needed one. I don't because I drink coffee for me. <laughs> However, even in the, the things that I do for me, I want them to have as much missional purpose as it can. So Eurasia Cafe is actually in partnership with the Assemblies of God, and they support Chi Alpha around the world. Um, in fact, the back of the T-shirt says, Eurasia Cafe works to address spiritual emptiness, extreme poverty, human trafficking, disease and illiteracy. I, I, I know this sounds stupid. I'm tearing up over a stupid coffee shirt, but I am giving my money to something that even when I'm doing something for myself, I am determined where I can to put my money, to put my efforts into places of spiritual emptiness, extreme poverty, human trafficking, disease and illiteracy. This is what I mean by missional living. Don't just blindly go through life of the things we love and that we do. Put a mission of Christ behind it. My goal with our coffee shop, Darren's first goal is to make some money off of it. <laughs> My goal then is to make money off of it because I have this desire to partner with the whites that want to plant coffee houses all across Turkey. Missional living. Okay, here, here we go. Here goes the cheesiness. <laughs> so when I was in high school, yes, that's right, Pekin, Pekin Dragons. I made a decision. I played sports all through my Catholic years. My freshman year, I made a decision. I wasn't going to play sports. Um, I had started to actually, I'd started to join the volleyball team. And there came this moment that I, I said, I can't do this. I have this desire and drive in me to make this uh, a missional 
school. I, I want to give everything I can to be missional in school. And I was very, uh, I was heavy involved with my youth group, and I didn't want to take away from that. And so I made the decision. Now, I, I, I look at, um, <laughs> thank you, Austin. Austin made the decision to play soccer. This is what missional living looks different for everybody. Austin can take the soccer team for Jesus, and I'll never do that, right? So you got to decide what is the mission Jesus is setting for you, okay? For me, this is what I heard, I had him, I heard him. And so I was zealous. I was. And my, the, the summer before my freshman year of high school, I will never forget this, I was in eating pizza with the youth group. It was my very first youth group event that I had got to participate in, coming into the youth group. And so it was the first social event. The youth had all gone up to get pizza, and my youth pastor held me back. It was just he and I. And he said, Cammie, you're about to start high school. Now, you got to remember, I'm coming from a school where there were like 12 girls in my graduating class. That was it. And now I'm going into where freshman class was 500 students, right? This was like, whoa. And so he said, Cammie, from day one, you will take your Bible to school. You will tell them up front from day one who you are. I said, okay. And day one, I had my stack of books, and I had my Bible on top. And I proceeded to say, Mom, I need a jacket. Everybody lists everything, you know, that they're in, volleyball, soccer, basketball. I need a jacket that says God's army on it. You know, I wore this all four years of high school. I tell you, they all knew who I was. <laughs> is that, that is cheesy, I confess. It's not cheesy. That's because that's who you fell in love with, right? The girl that wore the jacket. <laughs> What are you laughing at? He's down there snickering at me. Oh, my word. Missional living. To follow Jesus is to take up the cause of Jesus. And you got, I'm figuring out what that looks like for me. You have to figure out what that looks like for you. I love, I love hearing stories of extreme missional people like it's not I don't it's not a self-abuse but like <laughs> I like to watch documentaries on people that are going into extreme places doing extreme things for Jesus and I leave thinking what am I doing for Christ right there's I, there's something in that I just love that <laughs> I love being inspired by people that are answering the call to be a Christ follower and because they've answered the, the call, they're living missionally as a result. I love that. Because the, I, I want to go further for him. I don't want to be, I'm kind of comfortable with what I'm already doing missionally. I want to be challenged to new things missionally. I want to be challenged beyond what I thought I was capable of doing missionally. I want to go places that I, I've never gone before or thought I could go missionally. And so, 
you gotta, if you're going to answer the call to follow him, you've got to be missional. We see it even in, even in the New Testament. There were just a few women that popped out to me that when they answered the call to follow Christ, it altered them. Lydia was one. Lydia was a, a seller of purple. She was a very well-to-do woman. She encountered Christ, and her home became a meeting place for the local church. Dorcas made clothes for the poor. Missionettes is coming out. She encountered Jesus, and suddenly her life, her love of sewing became missional. Joanna, the wife of Herod Stewart and Susanna, both of them were women of substance. They found Christ, and they, out of influential places, they became providers for Jesus out of their substance. They became Christ followers and began to live missionally. You cannot be a Christ follower and not live missionally. It's impossible. He is missional. He has a mission, one that he died for because he felt so strongly about it. In Exodus 31, they were building the temple, and you know they listed a whole bunch of people that the Holy Spirit anointed in their giftings and their craftsmanship to build things for the temple. It says that they were anointed and, and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. They took what they had and they became missional with their giftings as Christ empowered them. So it's an all-in call. It's a missional call. And I'm going to end by taking some of the intensity way and say... It is a call of abundant life. This is why there, there's, when, when you fully, this is the problem. If you don't fully embrace the call to follow, if you try to follow two things, if you try to follow Jesus and other things, what happens is you, you never get into the place of the abundant living with following him. You're torn between two places. The sheep in that video was not living abundant life. <laughs> right? He just kept going back. He kept going back. He kept going back, right? And, and that's what happens. If, if you don't get off of what you're following and get on to following the Christ, you'll never experience the abundant life. John 10.10, 10, the good shepherd, he says, I have come that they may have life, and not just life, but abundant life. Wow. Is it an easy call? No. Will it cost you everything? Yes. Do you have to become missional in life because of it? Yes. I tell you what, though, I wouldn't trade it for anything because I found an abundant life in him that I wouldn't trade for anything. Anything. We've let go. I, the choices that we've made even as a family, you know, we, we've lived on one income so that we could be missional in living, right? And, and so you make, this is what happens. To be missional, you got to make these decisions. What is it going to take for me to follow him? It might mean, well, for us, I didn't work at another job so we could be all in with ministry. That was just one of the things, decisions that we make. Currently, with the Petersburg Church, 
we, we kind of came to the place of saying, do we really need to watch TV? <laughs> we don't have time to watch TV. If we do watch TV, I'm asleep in five minutes. And so, I mean, it just, that sounds silly, but it was like literally, you know, we can plant a church, we can watch TV. <laughs> we chose to plant a church. <laughs> this, this is why I say you have to make a choice, right? And so your choices will reflect who you're following. I'll tell you a lot of nights, even on Thursday nights, bless our ones from Petersburg that are watching right now, uh, but especially in the wintertime, I'll confess them Thursdays, I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. But once I get there, it's wonderful, right? They're not easy decisions that we make. But if you're going to say, yes, I'm going to be a Christ follower, then all of decisions in life have to follow that answer. Where you go to school, what you do with your free time, what family life looks like for you, the friends you hang out with. These are all things that you have to, how much time you can go camping. I know. Well, the last time, you know, he was taking missionaries. So that one, of course, was. Darren lives missionally. I guarantee you. We, go to, we just got back from Connected Conference with our, our district. And I guarantee you, if I happen upon a conversation he's having with anybody, I'm going to hear either church planting. Everybody needs to now plant a church in the district. <laughs> or camping. These are going to be the things that I'm going to hear a conversation about. Why? Because he lives missionally. He lives missionally for Jesus and for camping. Jesus is number one. Camping is number two. <laughs> it's all the same thing. It is the same thing. Why? Because, you know, he does things like take missionaries camping. <laughs> See? Ah, oh, man. I just talked myself into that one. The missional life, the, the following Christ's life is hard. It's a hard call to answer, but it's an abundant life call. You're living life with Jesus is what you're doing. And when you live life with Jesus, the hard places still become sweet places. The tiring places still become moments with Christ that you would not gain otherwise. And so it's an abundant life when you say, yes, I want to be a Christ follower. You will find joy and peace. There will be a peace that comes because you're now living single-mindedly and single-heartedly. When you say, I'm all in Jesus to the call, then suddenly you're, you're living one-hearted, one-minded with him. And it's a place of peace and abundance. And so this morning, the call is to anyone that would he hear it. And maybe you're sitting in here and you've never heard the call. The call is for you. Jesus wants you to come and to follow him. He wants to walk with you. He wants to do life with you. Maybe you've answered the call, but you end up, oh, I identified a little too much with the sheep in that video. I, I, I have a tendency to veer back to what Jesus has called me away from. Listen, even Peter did it, right? Peter did it. Peter said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a, a fisher of men. And he lived with Jesus for years. And then came the moment when he said, I, I don't know Jesus. I don't know that man. And he went, what did he do? He went back to fishing again. He went back to what he knew. And Jesus had to come and restore him so that he, Jesus could get him back to the path he was meant to be on. And so if, if you have identified with that sheep and said, you know what, I've, I've, I've said yes to him, but I veered off, Jesus is good at restoring. He took Peter and said, you're now going to be the one that I build this church on. And so there's no shame. There's no condemnation. There's just this beautiful call. I'm going to ask if the worship team will come back as we conclude today. I want you just to take a moment. We're living in days and hours where the answering of this is so important because the, the time is growing short, and we gotta, we got to be missional with Christ to seeing a move of God throughout the world so that many can come into the kingdom. And that takes the body of Christ being missional. That takes you and me saying, yes, I'm going to be a Christ follower. I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'm going to live missionally with you, Jesus. And I'm going to enjoy the abundant life with you, Jesus.